Hey everybody, and welcome back to YoMTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. And I'm Stephen Marshall. And today we're going to talk about uh, modern banned and restricted list updates. We're going to give away a thought seize to one of our listeners, and we're going to talk about the pre-release, because we both played uh, the Saturday. You didn't play any Sundays, did you? No. No, so we both played Saturday. We each played in the solo event, and then we teamed up as Team Faux MTG Taps for the Two-Headed Giant, which uh, went really well, but it got cut short, and that's cool. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, first, we want to get into the modern banned and restricted update. So, um, first of all, the facts. Deathrite Shaman has been banned, uh, and Bitter Blossom and Wild Nakadal have been unbanned. So, I'm not really the biggest fan of the modern format, I'll readily admit. Uh, so, uh, I'm going to pass this all over to Steven. I know Steven's got some opinions on uh, what this means for the modern format. Uh, first of all, Steven... Uh, why was Deathrite Shaman banned? Just because it, it, it did too much. And basically the logic they gave, and I, I, I agree with it, was that it's it's great in the early game because it, it immediately starts ramping you. And then it's also great in the end game because it can either you know stave off losing by gaining you life or just become a win condition on its own. It's a little too powerful for a Birds of Paradise, basically. Why would something like Deathrite Shaman be banned, which I imagine is, you know, a mainstay of the Birthing Pod deck, right? Uh, well, I mean, Deathrite's not really played in Birthing Pods. Mostly, it's mostly played primarily in um, Jund, and there's also Black Green and also Junk decks, and they're just mid-range decks with all the, you know, good stuff in those colors, good creatures and spells. Um, but Deathrite's a four of in any deck that plays green and black just because it, it, it's its abilities are relevant in just about every match and every phase of the game. So and it's not played in Birthing Pod? I don't actually think that it is. Uh, they, I think they actually play Birds of Paradise. Deathrite's actually an, an excellent main deck um, check on Birthing Pod. Hmm. Um, I've played I've played in Modern with uh, a deck that was running four Deathrite Shamans, and that was basically my only interaction with their combo, which you know, relies on the graveyard through persist creatures. Right. So I think, I think death, right. Actually going away actually makes birthing pot a lot better, but that uh, birthing pot doesn't typically play death, right. Shaman. Hmm. I figured it would just to ramp into the pod faster, but it chooses birds of paradise. That makes sense. So why wouldn't, why do you think uh, like something like birthing pod wouldn't be banned? I'm, I'm just curious. That I actually don't know. And I think, I think birthing pod is likely the best deck now, especially without death, right. Shaman, which is kind of, a way to keep it in check um, from a main deck perspective of, of a deck that's widely played. I don't know. It might just be because it's an entire deck archetype, whereas with uh, the banning of Deathrite Shaman, you could still easily play a black mid-range value deck. If you get rid of Birthing Pod, I guess it would it, it might upset a lot of players because it's, it's a pretty expensive deck to build. Uh, I know there's a couple players at our local shop that actually put it together, and those cards are not playable in any other deck in the format. So you, you, you'd you be left with like just investing all this money in a deck and all, basically the lands can be played and uh, some of the, the mana creatures, and that's right. about it. So, they so I'm, not, like... I'm not actually sure. By their, by, by their old logic, where they banned um, Green Sun Zenith because it created, you know, they don't like tutors because it creates like a repetitive game state because you kind of just try to do the same thing over and over. Um, birthing pods like that, but repeatable. So I don't, I don't know why that wouldn't be banned 
it seems think... really weird to me. I don't understand it. Um, like when I think of modern, like as someone who has like a bias against the format, I think of it as a bunch of birthing pod decks and a bunch of control decks running Vendillion Click and things like that. That's like what I think of when when I think of the modern format. You know, so like I would feel like banning something like birthing pod would be healthy to you know maybe entice people like me who have misconceptions about the format but i don't know uh well let's let's move on to the next uh the next card uh bitter blossom unbanned so speaking of cards that um make an entire deck relevant bitter blossom has been unbanned and uh and, and it's also a card that fits great into a, any sort of Esper control shell. Uh, but specifically, and probably uh, most fearsomely, uh, it fits into the Fairies deck, uh, which you said you didn't really have a very strong opinion about, right? I, I don't. I think Bitter Boss. Yeah, I think Bitter Blossom is a just a fantastic card, but I I feel like people are misinterpreting what its effect is going to be on Modern. I think it's probably a. I actually think it's a better card in either black white tokens or just any kind of black mid range deck or you know even like a control deck. So I I think it's fine that Bitter Blossom. Uh, I think that's a really powerful card. But I like when I when I go to think of what the blue black fairies deck would look like, and that seems to be what people are assuming is going to get built since um, along with Bitter Blossom, you know, went up from like seventeen to eighteen dollars a couple weeks ago to well, it actually you know suspiciously went up thirty dollars before the announcement. Right. It went up to thirty dollars, and then the day you know it spikes over sixty. Um, but like other cards, like uh, Secluded Glen, the the blue black tap land where you have to reveal a fairy, um, mm -hmm. went from like two dollars to ten dollars, and then Mistbind Click went from three dollars to twenty dollars. So people, it seems people think fairies is now a tier one competitive deck, and I, I, I actually just do not see it because uh, besides Bitter Blossom and maybe Spellstar Sprite, I'm struggling to see what cards actually would go in that deck. I mean. Well, you didn't play when that deck was legal and standard, right? No, I, I didn't. But I, I've seen the list. I've seen the list that people played in standard and. But, but you've never sat across from the fairies deck from that standard and um, did nothing because you couldn't do anything. It's really a good deck. It's really a powerful deck. Um, the synergies between like between spell stutter sprite and mistbind click and bitter blossom. Um, and Vendillion Click, which, you know, is a card, um, yeah. and it's already a, a powerful card uh, without something else enabling it. Um, it's yeah. a really, really, really tough deck to beat. It, um, it looks it looks miserable to play against. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely grant you that. But I, I think in Modern, I just don't know what when you'd want to really cast a Mistbind Click and, on, on and, your and, opponent's upkeep. Yeah, no, I, I'm aware of that. I mean, like, seriously, like, ugh, getting misbind clicked on your upkeep is like the most brutal thing. It's it's really bad. And you and and uh, what's the other? Um, Scion of Una. Scion of Una is a perfectly fine card for that deck because it pumps the Bitter Blossom tokens and it pumps everything else. Um, that I I could see. I could see there being it, like a shell, like some sort of Grixis. There's already kind of like a red, blue tempo deck that's like fringe playable currently, and I could see that maybe becoming Grixis. Um, but I, I just, for some reason, I just don't see Mistbind, I don't see Mistbind Click working in, in Modern currently. I don't I don't know what you're trying to accomplish on turn four, you're stopping from coming down. Well, I mean, then you can, then you've got Cryptic Command, a Cryptic Command can counter bounce your Mistbind Click, replay Mistbind Click. There's just a lot of ways for the deck to interact with itself and to completely shut your opponent down. Um, you know, Remand, 
uh, is a card, and and yeah. and mana leak is in the format. It's just gonna it's just gonna be a bunch of counter spells. It's gonna be bunch of fairies it's just a really powerful like aggro control kind of deck yeah i mean i just don't know if there's a is if there's room for tipo decks other than like splinter twin in the in the format sure i I feel like i feel like fairies would like prey on the control decks that exist right now and some of the combo decks like scape shift but i mean i don't see it doing anything versus affinity i've seen yeah that's one of the other misconceptions i've seen people thought uh, people have been saying that bitter blossom would be good um, or really help the deck versus Affinity, which I absolutely do not see because um, Affinity basically empties its hand on turn one, if not turn one, turn two, and then Bitter Blossom makes you a defender on turn three, and that's if you want to play it on turn two and not counter their cranial plating or something like that, and then you're just losing one life a turn versus an aggro deck. I I, I don't know. I just I, I don't see where it fits in the format. Currently, I could see it being powerful if everyone was playing Control or everyone was playing Scape Shift. Right. Um, or maybe even uh, Birthing Pod or some kind of combo deck um, where you could just always play on their turn and always, you know, counter whatever relevant spells they want to play or disrupt that way. But I just I, I just don't see it if people show up with affinity and especially um, with the other thing that got unbanned, Zoo. I think I think Zoo would probably destroy fairies as well. And and, and if and if uh, fairies does see a lot of play, then I mean, I'd actually be kind of happy about that just because. I think it would hunt out a lot of the combo decks currently in modern, and then you could, you know, my old standby. You could, you could probably, I think, modern burn would be pretty good. There you <laughs> at go. That point. Uh, yeah, that, you know, that that recently actually won a, a modern premiere event, and nice. Um, between the main deck and sideboard, it's running, I think, four volcanic fallouts, which I think just wrecks a fairy's deck. And 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 did wreck a fairy's deck when it was legal. Like that 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 card exists. Because fairies exists, like that was oh, that was like a reactionary. Yes, it really was, um, and that's great, you know. Um, so I can't speak for what the the deck could do in the modern format. You know what I mean? Like I don't know where it fits in the modern format, but again, um, but it in a vacuum and um, in the past, fairies was a very powerful deck. Um, Bitter Blossom was a card that everyone wanted to see banned in standard, and it never happened. The other thing is the enchantment itself is a fairy. Yeah, so it's a tribal can, enchantment. So you can um, use Mistbind Click on it to champion uh, that, and to stop losing life from the from the enchantment itself. That's um, true. Or they can they can get you with Abrupt Decay. <laughs> I mean, that's a card now. Abrupt Decay did not exist back then. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's cool. Um, I mean, I, I, I like to see that. As much as I hated the fairies deck when it existed in standard, um, I'm happy to see it in modern. Like I'm happy to see it be a possible. Yeah, I don't think it's too dangerous to to not unband. Um, you know, modern is a powerful format. Um, I want. I also want to try. Uh, uh, there was an extended polymorph combo deck. Uh, did you ever see that? That ran it basically tokens, all token makers, uh, including Bitter Blossom, and then a few Emrakuls, and then polymorph, which basically Right, right. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, that 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 deck was around in standard too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I definitely uh, was in an event uh, that I top sixteened actually, and I definitely played against somebody in round two that sacrificed a Colney Garden plant token hmm. uh, for mana to cast Polymorph into Emrakul on like turn three. And I was nice. like, and I didn't know, and he passed the turn, and I took, and I drew my card, and then I was like, 
wait a minute, judge. And the judge was like, well, you already, you already drew a card. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, so he used his, he used. Oh, to, tar- to target it? Instead of as an El, no, as, instead of sacrificing an Eldrazi spawn for mana. Oh, okay, yeah, specific, I gotcha. He used the plant token as a mana to ramp into Emrakul. I was like, oh, great. So I just lost because he just straight up cheated, like, and you're not gonna do anything about it. Cool. I still made top, like I said, I still top sixteen, but I could have probably top eighted if I uh, had won that match. Obviously, uh, pretty rough. Whatever. That was years ago at this point. Um, that was awesome, too. That was a – I think Mike Flores was the one that was uh, – that convinced me to run uh, Ulamog in my control deck. Um, it was just like Ulamog, uh, like one in the main, one in the board. Just hard casting it? Yeah, man. Like, because, <laughs> like, the games were going so long, and eventually, you know, you're playing against Jace the Mind Sculptor, and you've got Jace the Mind Sculptor. Eventually, you tap 11, and you – hit their Jace the Mind Sculptor is what you do. <laughs> it was great. Like I've had, I had so many frowns <laughs> casting an Ulamog to, <laughs> to blow up a Jace. It was pretty fun. Um, but anyway, uh, so moving on, um, Wild Nakadal has been unbanned and some people questioned why it would be banned in the first place, but I'm happy to see it unbanned because any like opportunity for a, a zoo deck to be competitive is uh is in my opinion a good thing you know if uh if there's an aggro deck that can flourish in a format we'll see <laughs> but uh, you know giving the aggro deck the tools it needs uh is is never a bad thing yeah i i, I don't see the harm in it and I, they, they originally banned it because they wanted to see more types of aggro decks um hopefully take its place but Instead, there's just a whole. Where instead, we're basically if you want to play aggro, you could play affinity. There was there was actually like a red green aggro deck that ran burning tree emissaries, tarmogoyfs, curd apes, and and all that that won like one or two PTQs last modern season. But basically, if you're playing if you're playing an aggro deck, you're playing affinity, and I think this will actually change it because I think Zoo's almost or if not already a pretty competitive deck. Uh, with Wild Nacatl, you could definitely either go, you know, the five color Tribal Flames, Geist of Saint Traft route, or do it could also slot into like a. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kibler just showed up at the Pro Tour with his basically mid range Naya deck from uh, GP San Diego, both with these guys in there instead of uh, Deathrite Shamans. If I had to make a prediction, I would I would see a Zoo deck or Wild Nacatl in the the Pro Tour top eight. Um, you might also see a Bitter Blossom, but I just I don't see it in a just a standard blue black fairies deck. Sure, and you know, black white, black white tokens was a big deck too when Bitter Blossom was legal. You know, and isn't black white tokens a thing in uh, in modern anyway? Uh, Melissa DeToro uh, played it at a GP and did pretty well, I think. And it's 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 on the fringe of uh, playability. It's 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 definitely like it's like tier two, but it's competitive. And I mean, this is obviously one of the most powerful token producers um, in history. So I don't think it can can't help but make that deck better. That deck, uh, when it was standard legal, ran a Johnny Goldmane. Um, <laughs> and uh, It was pretty awesome. It was just like fairies. They get bigger, they get bigger, you die. Like, it was pretty good. Yeah, the, another deck I think that would actually really benefit from this, um, especially from Deathrite Shaman going away, is there was an aggro loam deck, uh, Life from the Loam, Seismic Assault, uh, Countryside Crusher, um, and then Raven's Crime and... Uh, 
flame jab, I think. Uh, and it actually won a GP, but that deck, uh, it had been obviously very competitive in modern until death, right? Shaman got printed and then it just kind of went away. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful to see some, uh, some graveyard strategies, uh, actually start to flourish. I'd, I'd actually used to play, um, like a modern dredge deck with binge vines and blood gas and all that, but it was just impossible to play that with uh, death, right? Shaman in the format. Right. Uh, hope that might actually also make a comeback, hopefully. And I know you were saying that, uh, you wish that they would unban Golgari Grave Troll, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't see the harm in it. Um, although I guess it does explicitly encourage dredge strategies, which is probably something Wizards doesn't want to do. All right, so that's modern. Uh, now we're going to give away a thought seize. Uh, so we've had people retweeting our announcement for the new episode throughout the week. And every time you retweeted one of those announcements, you were entered into a random drawing to win a Theros Thought Seize from us. Uh, so I've got the list here. We had about 130 entries, which is totally awesome. And thanks so much to everyone who retweeted us. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm using um, the random thing picker. Uh, Andrew.hedges.name slash experiments slash random slash pick one dot HTML. And I've got everyone in here, and I'm going to push this button here, pick one, and it's going to tell me who wins a Thought Seize. So the winner of the Thought Seize is... Drumroll. I'll add one in. Nice. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll fix it in post. <laughs> is... <laughs> Lego my three go. I don't even know what this... Lego... My three go, okay. So Lego my three go, whatever that means. How do you spell uh, that? You are the winner of a Theros Thought Seize. Uh, email us yomtgtaps at gmail dot com with your shipping info, and we'll shoot you one over. We're also going to send you uh, some old-school worm tokens, the life and death with me and Joey, and uh, we'll send you a couple stickers and a life pad as well. You know, the whole little care package uh, will be coming your way. So thanks to everyone who played. Um, Now, the next giveaway we're doing is for Jace the Mind Sculptor. Now, I know I said on the last episode we were going to give it away this episode, but I'm going to give everyone another week uh, to get some questions in uh, for us. Uh, last time, the hashtag was Brimaz, King of Arescos. Uh, this time around, the hashtag will be BanModern. So if you use the hashtag BanModern and ask us any question that you'd want us to answer on the show at YoMTGTaps, we will not just answer it, we will have you on the show to ask the question. So get your questions into us. The other requirement, there are two, there are three requirements. One, you have to follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. Two, you have to retweet the original announcement that we make on the episode. And then three, you have to ask us a question using the hashtag BanModern. And we will pick someone's question that we like. It's entirely subjective. Thanks again to Common Ground Games in Dallas for supplying the Jace the Mind Sculptor for the giveaway. 
Uh, it's really awesome of Jameson to uh, give us such a marquee card to give away for our podcast, raise a little awareness about us, uh, raise a little awareness about him. You know, we're not sponsored, but we definitely play at Common Ground Games. That's our primary store at this point. And um, I was running stuff there for a while. Uh, it's on Inwood Road, 1328 Inwood Road. Uh, in Dallas, actually, within the city limits, all the other stores seem to be scared to come south of 635. Uh, so we're the only one in there. So uh, it's boardgamesdallas.com. If, uh, if you want to look him up online, check out the website. Uh, he's got a really awesome website. So check him out. And, uh, you know, we play there Friday nights. Come play against us or pre-releases or anything like that. Uh, so speaking of pre-releases... We were just there for the pre-release last weekend. All right, so pre-release. So, yeah, Born of the Gods pre-release was this past weekend. Uh, Steven and I both played on Saturday. So, first of all, uh, Steven, how did your Saturday morning pre-release go? Uh, went pretty excellent. I actually went uh, 4-0. Oh. Um, yeah, I picked the red-seeded deck and opened up a pretty pretty busted um red white heroic deck that kind of just built itself um it had uh i have it in front of me uh satyr satyr fire dancer the the guy that redirects burn from the player's face to it doesn't redirect it copies it uh from from the pl- dealing damage to the player with a instant or, uh, sorcery to uh their creatures so that was just way better than i thought it was going to be um in limited um and a few more it had two wingsteed riders and um a bunch of mid-range guys uh a crone phalanx which is way better than i i thought it would be on paper um and then uh my my favorite card uh a crone conscriptor which was just completely busted um it's especially when i had um four or five like one one mana uh tricks like god's willing and and uh, the Titan Strength and the one that gives lifelink and stuff like that. And then, I mean, that, that allowed me to win games that were completely unwinnable but for that card. That was probably my favorite card in the deck, even though it's just like an uncommon. You know, and after that was Seder Fire Dancer. I think you mentioned it in the pre-release discussion about how Bolt of Keranos was actually just pretty good, even though it doesn't look like that great of a deal on paper. It was the yeah. three you mana. Scry, right? Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, one red red, deal three damage. Target creature, player, scry one. That was actually just just great yeah um the other car that really surprised me was uh fall of the hammer it's yeah uh, yeah <laughs> that that was that was just straight up removal like 100 percent of the time and it was i i thought there'd be a lot more times that it would actually be a dead card in my hand and it just it just was not and then when it got played against me um it just felt like they were cheating i was like what you, you can't kill my guy at instant speed there's 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 only you know there's lightning bolt um not lightning bolt there's a lightning strike there lightning bolt. I, would yeah, off, I would lose a finger to get lightning bolt <laughs> um there's just so few ways with just two man open to instant speed kill a guy um in in theros block right now and it it just does that so much of the time um it's also it just interacts great with with heroic where um so let's say you cast that on your wingsteed rider you get the heroic trigger first because it it it's a trigger in response to you targeting it that resolves first. So you get the plus one, plus one counter. So then you get to do the damage for the new higher power with all your uh, heroic creatures. It also works great, you know, just with lifelink death touch. It's just, it's just really great. It, it, it was way, it performed way better than, than I expected. So, yeah, I mean, it just, 
the the deck kind of just built itself um a bunch of burn and heroic creatures and satyr fire dancer and then i think i lost my first game just to my own just play mistake i uh magma jetted uh their face with the satyr fire dancer um out and scryed what i thought was going to be two awesome cards which is a uh, bolt of karanos and pinnacle of rage which are both two red casting costs and i only had one mountain i put them both back on top and then just <laughs> ensure that i would be drawing dead cards uh, for the next like basically three turns while i got destroyed i mean if you had plays the next two turns that would be fine you know i did but, not yeah right, right. That's i thought i could play those the next turn i was like oh this is just setting up my next two turns amazingly then i just looked i'm like oh no i have a one one and then no spells to cast <laughs> Uh, so I lost I lost my first game of uh, the pre-release and then uh, won the next eight. So it was great, yeah. I could not tell you what that was like. <laughs> yeah, uh, how'd you do, Joe? Oh, man. So I was just having the worst day. I mean, I was having a lot of fun. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, I mean, I wasn't, I mean, you, you know, like you have days where you don't play well and you feel like absolute crap about it. You're miserable. You don't want to be there. But I didn't have that, you know. My round one, I actually got a little frustrated towards the end of the game and kind of, like, signed the slip and, like, chucked the pen down, basically. Like, I was just <laughs> really frustrated. But anyway, uh, I went 1-3. My win coming in round four. <laughs> nice. It was it was awful. So I opened the blue seeded pack. And I played round one, I played red-black with a green splash. Round two, I played blue-red with a black splash. Round three, I played straight-up blue-red. And round four, I started with a blue-green deck. And then after game one, I sided into, which I lost game one, I sided into a blue-black red and green deck just <laughs> playing every single bomb i had and i won the next two games <laughs> it was the dumbest thing i should not what kind of mana fixing did you have um i had the burnished heart um i had a traveler's amulet and that's basically it and uh and i was and i ran in the last two ra the last two games i ran double black double green and double blue all in the same deck. I think I was smart <laughs> enough to keep anything double red out, but I just went with like 19 creatures and like a couple divinations and just actually won. It was really ridiculous. My mana just worked. And I, cause it was just so bad. I was like, it can't get any worse. Oh, and I, I decided to keep my hand game two mm -hmm. before I drew my seven. I went, I'll keep blind keep. <laughs> I went, I'll keep. And I drew seven. So, uh, that was just the kind of day I was having. And it was just, I gave in to the day. You know what I mean? I was just like, well, this is it. Okay. This is what we're doing. Fine. So black red, like why would one play black red with a splash of green when, uh, they opened the blue seated pack? Um, well, uh, let me see here. So my, my rares and just my, my bombs, right. For black were I had a gray merchant, I had a Champion of Stray Souls. Um, I had a Night Howler. I had an Eater of Hope. I had a Underworld Cerberus. And I had a Polis Crusher. Right? So those are a lot of really Yeah, those are good cards. Those are a lot of really good cards. Um, now, the problem is I didn't really have enough good support to make a real competitive deck. And that's the biggest thing that I always say is, like, don't force yourself into 
a certain archetype because that's what you want to play or whatever. Like, you know, if I pick the blue deck and my rare is faded infatuation in the blue pack, you know, in addition to the pre-release card, I was, just, I didn't want to force myself to play that, but I made a deck that just didn't work. It was just too high of a curve. Um, even with running 18 lands, I was just getting, I just wasn't getting there or even getting close. And I was just getting destroyed by my opponents who just seemed to have um, a turn or two ahead of me. But I don't know. I think overall, looking back at the day, blue-green was probably the deck. And um, I was lured into the trap of having all those good bombs in those three colors. Because um, they were. They're great bombs. You know, yeah. you get them out with uh, enough stuff leading up to them. Uh, for it to be relevant that you drop them and and it's a great day but there just wasn't enough like early game to even uh justify playing the black at all like the black was just it, the the quality of my black cards dropped significantly you know i mean i was running um i was running asphyxiate i was running that that was one that actually was better than i thought it was going to be yeah no it is but when it's your like only decent removal spell besides eye gouge then you know <laughs> what i mean like it makes playing not that enticing you know like some people like viper's kiss i'm not one of them it's playable it's playable <laughs> but i i'd almost rather just have the option of destroying something if they're playing cyclopses um and at instant speed but uh, Asphyxiate's fine, but when it's your best removal spell, um, it's not. You know, I mean, I also in 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 red, I had Lightning Strike, I had Fall of the Hammer, so there was some decent red removal. But I don't know, I, I and I, I just was too much all over the place with my pool, and uh, I think I should have stuck with blue green from the very start. And you know, uh, one card that I really thought was way better than I expected it to be was Deep Water Hypnotist. The two one guy. Yeah, he's good. Being able, especially if you're playing in an aggro deck, um, you know, obviously he's a two one. You're gonna swing with him turn three, most likely. Um, you probably have ways to pump him if you're playing an aggro deck because that's the name of the game. And if you were able to get him through turn two or turn three, when he untaps, he makes something almost irrelevant. He turns one of their creatures into basically a wall. Which allows you just to keep on your aggro plan. You know, I'm not sitting there saying it's the best card ever, but it's... At first, I just went, yeah, right, never playing that. Just didn't even consider it. But when I actually played with it, when I was forced to play with it because I had nothing playable, <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, this this actually works all right. It's just fine. Yeah, there was another Inspire card I liked, uh, the Kragma Butcher, the 2-3 that... Uh, oh, yeah. When he, I, yeah, when he untaps, he gets plus... I mean, I mean, at that point, he's just... So he gets in for two, and then there's really nothing that's blocking him um, on on the turn after that, and he gets in for four, and it's just huge chunks of damage. Um, and I've run I've I've run the two three black minotaur that has zero abilities, <laughs> you know, with no problem uh, before. So uh, that card was a lot better than I thought it would be too. Mm -hmm. And Sphinx's disciple was was awesome. Raised by wolves is probably one of the most threatening cards in the entire set at uncommon two creatures and a pump is pretty awesome. Although you got to remember that it doesn't just give plus two plus two as a rule. Yeah. You know, I think that's something I kept forgetting about it. How do you feel about the, uh, the Nyx creatures? 
I didn't really actually get to play with them. I saw the, I, I didn't see them really do much of anything. I saw the blue one. The blue one still seems fine. Uh, I think I saw that. I actually played that in our two-headed giant deck, but I I saw some people play the the Rollick, which one? The the Rolliker, the red for yeah. one one. I mean, maybe I'm just arrogant, but I, I relaxed a little <laughs> when they rolled that out on turn one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't do much of anything. It was, it was a one one. Yeah, it, well, I think that like as a one one, I mean, filling out a curve is okay. I think they're great, honestly. Like, I think they're really good. I mean, at least, I think the red one's really good, just because the bestow cost is so low. I think the white one's not as good. I just think the lower the bestow cost, the better. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they'll be a lot better in draft. Like, they, they yeah. might, it might approach playability if you have just, like, an absurd heroic deck that just needs stuff that targets other stuff, basically. Um, and, you you know, you don't care if you're getting an amazing effect uh, for the cost. It's just, you know, something that targets a creature to, to get a heroic effect. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't impressed with them when I, I only played against them. I didn't actually play any of the, the I, I didn't play either the red or the white one. Um, the, the green one actually I, I saw played and it looked like it was pretty good just because a three power pump is pretty big. Oh, it's supposed to be plus like one, a, isn't it? Yeah. If you get that on like a Nessie and Asp or something else, it's already big. It just becomes just impossible to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I, I did, I, I, I was not high on the red and the white one going in, and I am still not. But I think, I think draft could change that when you're playing a much more uh, streamlined, aggressive archetype. Yeah. Or if you just, you know, happen to play a sealed deck that you just open up a, a draft red white heroic deck like I did, then you know maybe it works. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things that like you can't really worry about it too much uh when you're when you open a pool like the one i opened you just have to try to make the best deck that you have and roll with the punches yeah um and i i think i made the, i made the wrong decision on my on my deck i got i got suckered into the splashy big splashy cards and the new cards and i got suckered into playing something that wasn't optimal but that's cool i mean i had fun like i said Four rounds, four different decks. I figured I'd just try as many different cards from the set as I possibly could in those four rounds. Um, I regret nothing. I guess <laughs> 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 you guess you really can't, right? I mean, uh, yeah. I just I don't regret it. It was uh, it was it's cool. Pre-release, you're supposed to have fun. Yeah, and I did. I wish I could have done a little better. It would have been fun to do better, but um, you know, winning is is more fun than just having fun. It was cool though. Uh, but then we played in the two-headed giant after that, and uh, I think our luck was significantly better in what we opened. I don't know. At least mine was. I don't know. We had what pack did you pick? I picked the white deck, and I picked the blue for you, uh, which seemed to turn out okay for us, right? Yeah, so I'm be- between the two, um, I've actually never played two-headed giant before. Um, but right. I was actually we were, we were able to to put together basically you you seem to be playing kind of like just a Voltron green white um, build a giant dude through bestow creature deck and I played just the most dirtly kind of like I, I actually managed to make it mono blue support deck it it, it really was a, it really was a support deck uh, the, this deck it after a very long time might be able to win on its own but. It, absolutely not in any kind of reasonable amount of time i think i played three stratus walks yeah um Which and i don't affect your teammates uh heroic triggers but no unfortunately but i don't think i ever cast one of them on my own creature 
Uh, it was all just making your giant dude fly. <laughs> right, and it was so funny, too. Like, when we were building the decks, I kept, like, looking at your deck going, man, why do you have these Stratus walks all in here? And then you were like, uh, you have creatures. Oh, oh yeah. Like, I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I kept, like, I kept looking at the deck going, why is he playing that? Why is he playing that? Oh, right, because it goes on my stuff. And, like, just – and then – so one of the cards that we didn't realize – um affected only your own creatures mm -hmm. is Crypsis. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we, it was, it was literally the difference between us winning or losing. If that card had been like maybe anything else, we could have won that. Yeah. Cause I had, I had no creatures in play. Right. And I was sitting there. I was like, okay, we've got the win here. I retraction. He looks your guy. And then I can, un and then you, you, you bounce theirs. And then I could untap your guy with Crypt. And it's like, wait a second. This doesn't, yeah, it's it's only creatures uh, you control, which is yeah. unfortunate. So I think that was that was the only change we made after round one was uh, I swapped out a Crypsis. Um, and I think one of the Retraction Helixes, because I was trying to get too cute with Retraction Helix plus some uh, untapping effects like um, Embarrassingly Crypsis and um, uh, what's the Breaching Hippocamp? <laughs> that wasn't the best. So instead I, I put in um, and you you wanted this in from the beginning, and it's probably the right call. Uh, a faded infatuation. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then I put in an extra mnemonic wall, so now I had I I, I went up to two mnemonic walls in my deck. So um, that combo, I, we never got to pull it off, but no, we got was, a little dirty with it. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. Um, just it seems like a really cool combo to try to pull off. Is just because if you, if you if you have a mnemonic wall out, you can fade infatuation it, make a copy. And get back your fade infatuation and just keep doing that for however much mana you have, which I, I don't like playing blue in constructed, but in limited, that's probably one of my favorite archetypes. Just do nothing blue, just dirtle decks. Um in M14 Limited, I love playing the Archaeomancer plus disperse infinite chump block combo. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, so there's there's a lot of that going on with it with with my deck. It was, it was mostly support. It had some counter spells. Uh, bounce and then it didn't really do anything until like five and six drops right. um and then i just had like you know three or four finishers in there um also had the another combo i i didn't ever get to enact was the uh flood tide serpent plus the three uh stratus walks in my deck i really wanted to get that going but mm -hmm. as soon as our opponents realized they're like wait so any or you any enchantment you control. So like those Stratus walks on that giant creature of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This, and then they used I forgot what it was, but it was basically like premium, you know, unconditional removal on it, which I guess is kind of a good thing because normally a four four that can't attack with a downside's not something you want to burn removal on. I think you had like the <laughs> the six six um, uh, promo card from the green pack out, which they let become a twelve twelve, and yeah. they they still killed the four four that can't attack. Yeah, <laughs> without returning an enchantment, so uh, I guess it kind of did its job. Yeah, definitely. That was uh, well, they, they wanted to keep that Stratus walk off of the twelve twelve, which eventually we got to do anyway. Oh um, yeah, that was a pretty cool combo. Yeah, <laughs> or se sequence of plays. Yeah, but um, so you know, round uh, round one we lost based on the Crypsis um, the confusion. Crypsis Crypsis confusion, and then um. Rounds two and three, we won pretty decidedly. I feel like those games weren't even close, honestly. Um, and I feel like we were kind of, like, I think we kind of figured out our decks at that point, and yeah. uh, we were we were we were syncing up pretty good there. It was good. Um, 
but uh, then uh, uh, family obligations got in the way of our third win, so we dropped from the tournament early. But uh, that's just the kind of the guys we are. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to take care of business when there's business to be taken care of. You get down to the business of getting down. Um, sort of. <laughs> uh, were there uh, were there any cards from the pre-release that you were actually disappointed in that like didn't work as well as you did, other than obviously Crypsis or anything like that? Eater of Hope. What's Eater of Hope do? Eater of Hope is the black pre-release card, which I opened in one of my packs. It's a six-four flyer for two black and five, which right there should already be like, yeah, it's not that good. But tap a black. Sacrifice another creature, regenerate Eater of Hope, tap a black, and two. Sacrifice two other creatures, destroy target creature. Seems like it could be a really powerful swingy card, but it never was relevant for me. It never actually did anything at all. Yeah, people seem to be pretty disappointed in the black and the, especially the white um, promo card. That seemed like just do nothing. It was a seven mana, I think it's like a four, six flyer. Yep. Um, and whenever you attack, you can return enchantment to the battlefield. Um, I mean, the art's even horrible, so it kind of just—it's kind of a, a giveaway that this is just not not a great card. Um, I actually was pretty disappointed with the the archetypes. Yeah. Basically, all the ones I played, I got to play with the, the courage, um, aggression, and imagination, and I thought they were—they had very swingy effects, but they were all just super fragile. And if if a, and and the opponents tar you know that they they become the immediate target for removal and if that removal is instant speed it is it's not not fun for you it could have been bad for for us in that two head giant we I had the archetype of imagination out mm-hmm. um and you know basically we swung with everything because they had no flyers and they were able to kill it at instant speed and <laughs> ended up like uh they they basically got I think with that one lightning strike they got. I think a four for one um, based on the blocks they're then able to make um, from, from all my things attacking. <clears throat> yeah. It led to some just pretty, pretty bad instant speed blowouts. They're still really powerful when they're in play and especially the, the aggressive ones. I mean, they're just, they're costed fine, but the, the, there was not, they were not as overwhelming as I thought they would be. It seemed like I, when I was looking at like people that um, were in the uh, O and X bracket, you know, U uh, aside, it seemed like there's a lot of uh, people playing white. I, I noticed. And, hmm. um, I think what happened there, I, t- I talked to a couple of them, was like, if basically, so the promo card's not good, and then the seated pack, um, you, where you get like a guaranteed rare, like there's a chance you get, I think it's Faded Intervention or something like that, it's a seven mana sweeper, yeah. which is just, not, it's not what you're looking to do in Limited, where you're running just a ton of creatures, right. um, when you get up to seven mana, and it feels like a lot of the white aggressive cards are just a lot it seems like they're 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 much better in draft where you can get like a higher concentration of them than uh, sealed where you might have, you know, your two or three aggressive creatures and then a smattering of a bunch of other things and it's kind of hard harder to get a balance of uh, you know like to build a heroic deck it's a lot harder to just open that in sealed um, where it seems like a lot of the the white cards shine I, I felt like those were a little bit underwhelming that was that was those the only ones that really uh, disappointed uh, I actually ended up playing against. Um, Mogus or Mogi twice. Um, and that card's really, I mean, it's, you know, I think that's one thing with the, the multicolored gods and in, in born of the gods, like those seem, oh, well, depending on which ones you get, they seem a lot better in limited than, uh, some of the, 
the god cards in Theros where, I mean, I would routinely side out like Erebos and I mean, there, I, there was multiple times other than Thassa, um, there are, there are multiple times where it just wasn't worth, even if I had the, the God cards in limited running them in, in Theros. Um, but like Mogus, that was just, you know, it didn't even matter if he got online, the two damage a turn or sack a creature was just the, the, the passive effect was more than enough to, to run it. Um, and I imagine same, the same as, is is with Xenagos. Um, I actually played against the, uh, Karametra and she, she didn't really do anything though. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I don't think she really does anything as a rule, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, a couple cards, like just because we played um, in the two-headed giant, the retraction helix was a card I didn't pay too much attention to when I was looking mm-hmm. at the set, and that card just seems insane. And on the flip side of that, Crypsis, I thought was all you know mistaken readings of the card and two HG aside. Yeah. Um, I really didn't. I was over. I was completely underwhelmed by Crypsis. I didn't really care for it much. Didn't feel that great to me, um, or at least it felt like it should have been better than it was. Now, Faragax Giant. That's a card that you were pretty pumped about, right? Yeah, I actually. Um, I, th- I thought it was reasonable going in to actually before playing with it, but in practice, especially with if you put like an aggressive deck around it, especially a deck with a lot of burn in it. It it was just it was a really you know it, it was super effective. It was uh, uh, routinely people would just pay and and with a lot of the tribute cards where um, I felt like seventy I'd say three fourths of the time with the tribute cards I saw people just not pay the tribute. They they didn't want to give you the gigantic creature uh, the gigantic undercosted creature. So with uh, Faragax uh, Giant he could become you know just a five five for five and even then uh, multiple times people would just uh, take the five, which is a pretty healthy chunk of someone's life. You know, it's a, a quarter of it. Um, and if you just build the deck around it, it's the the tribute cards were a lot better than I expected them to be. Yeah, I when wanted I was, to say was, that too. When I was on the other side of it, uh, I can't remember the name. It's like three green green for a three three uh, tribute three. But if you don't pay it, they can blow up a non creature permanent. Yeah, somebody played that Nessian Demolock against us in two at a giant, and. And I was just like, oh, yeah, pay the uh, yeah, pay the tribute, definitely. And you, and you were questioning it at first. You're like, why? And I was like, look, they're either going to blow up this, which is bad, or they're going to blow up my only planes, which is bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, and I need that planes. There's no way, you know. And it was I, – I think – I honestly think that there wasn't one time I didn't pay tribute. Uh, oh, really? I think I paid tribute every single time someone played a tribute card over the weekend. I don't know if that's going to be true every single time I ever play against the cards, but every time someone played a tribute card against me, the the ability was ridiculously relevant and I paid the tribute every single time. Oh, I was the opposite. I was I guess I'm just a gambler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like blow up my land. I can I'll draw another one. It's fine. I I just I just could see exactly what they were going to do and a lot of the games I played admittedly I was well behind anyway playing the deck i was playing you know still it was one of those things where it was like every time i was like okay pay the tribute fine pay the tribute just never got a chance to let them use their ability it was i think it was probably because i was playing red where you're dealing direct damage and if they ever got like a creature that was just way above curve i had no way to get off the board and no way to get past it with my creatures so i feel like that's i was just like yeah just blow up my land i'll 
I'll figure out something else. Right. The last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up here is one particular conflict that Steven and I had um, (laughs) during the two-headed giant event. So uh, there was this hand that Steven drew and, you know, we had each taken, I think we had each taken a free mulligan. Uh, Yeah. So I didn't know this in two-headed giant, you get one free mulligan to seven. Right. Um, so we each took a free mulligan and we draw seven and Steven draws this hand and he, he goes, oh, it's pretty good. I look at this hand that he has and I'm like going, you need to you need to mulligan that you need to mulligan that. He's like, no, I think it's, it could totally work. It could work. I'm like, Steven, you need to mulligan that. No, man, maybe maybe it could, maybe it could work. And uh, so anyway, he took a picture of the hand. Our <laughs> our opponents were probably so furious with us because yeah, we probably is... spent four minutes, maybe five minutes, like debating this hand. It was <laughs> yeah, it was one of the probably one of the funniest conversations I've had, um, play like, in game. Like, ever. So, so uh, what was the hand? Read it to me. Okay, so um, one island. That's, I think that's key. That was, that was central to the conflict. One island. One land one and island. An island. Total one land. Okay. It had a Kraken of the Straits. You know. Seven drop. Yeah, and a mono blue deck, though. That's pretty powerful. Seven drop. Go on. Okay, Horizon Scholar. Six drop. Go on. Yeah. Okay, but it gets better. It gets better. It had an annul. One. Okay. Drop. One, one drop. Not a one drop. A one mana spell. You kept going, oh, I'll play that on turn one. No, you <laughs> don't. Nobody plays an artifact or enchantment in turn one unless they're playing a Nyxborn creature. And if you're countering a Nyxborn <laughs> with an Annul, you're not playing the same game I'm playing. Okay, so we got an Annul. We've got a seven drop. We've got a six drop and a land. Go on. You got Triton Tactics. That's another one drop dependent one, on one having drop, right? Yeah, a one mana spell dependent on having a creature in play. Go on, creatures. Um, <laughs> Two creatures. <laughs> you got a breaching hippo or hippocamp. A terrible four drop and and a stress walk and a one and a blue enchantment mm-hmm. dependent on having a creature in play. Ooh, okay, but this all depends. You had creatures to play on turn one too. I could just enchant it. So right, but. But what good would enchanting if you drew a second land, which yeah. you don't know you're going to draw the second land unless you look. And if you look, you're already mulliganing. So there's really no way to know um, if the hand's going to develop or not. So um, you looked at the top four cards of your library when we I know. did. I know we don't, I don't ever do this and I don't advocate doing it. And so, it, it, I mean, it, it looked like the hand could have done something. Would it have done anything relevant? I don't know. But my argument was we're both in this we're both playing this game and I would like for us both to be playing this game um for the first eight turns of the game. Because I was like I was We like, sounded like someone that needed to go to like couples therapy when we were discussing this So You promised we wouldn't fight in public. <laughs> Not of the kids. No, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> but it was just so funny. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm playing this game too. <laughs> it's not just about you. <laughs> it's like, I was like, man, okay, so you keep this hand and you're going to be watching me 
play magic against two people and it's not going to go well. Yeah, I guess I guess my argument was I had a, I had a land. We were on the draw. That that's key. Mm-hmm. So I get get a get get to draw a card. That's pretty sweet. Um, I've got I've got one of the islands to play. I've got something I could potentially do with that one mana. Should you know worst comes to worst, I don't draw any land. Um, and then I've already got the one land drop. So then you know they get to play, and then we get to go again. And so we get to draw another card. So I get to draw two cards to hit to hit a second land drop. Um, so I get to draw two cards before I start missing, you know, to, to hit a land drop before I start missing land drops. And then if I hit um, if I hit a second land, then I have a Stras walk, which, you know, draws me another card. Um, and then that, at that point, I have another uh, turn to draw another land to hit, you know, then my third land drop. So I, I figured I, ha- I had four chances to to draw two lands and then i think i'd be okay and it'd be a reasonable hand so i guess my reasoning was if two of the next four cards are islands then i i might not even miss a land drop which you know from just aesthetically looking at a one land hand you wouldn't even think that's possible um and it's actually i mean almost statistically you're about even to do that um and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I felt like at, at worst I was going to miss maybe one or two land drops. And I, was, I, I like to gamble sometimes on that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I, I, I thought it was possible that at the hand – I thought it was – it. I think I was just being more stubborn just because I'm like, hey, this, this, this hand's actually more playable than you think versus, you know, this hand's actually like something that's decent or gives you a great chance to win the game. Um I think I was just arguing for argument's sake, but it, it's better than it looked, I think. And uh, there was a, I think a, when you look at a hand like that, it looks like um, first glance that there's just, a, there's absolutely no chance that it's playable. Um, and that there's just no, there's, there's, there's like a 10% chance that it actually works out okay for you where you can actually play a game of magic. Um, but I, I, you know, looking at the odds and how many cards I was going to get to look at, I, I, I estimated there'd be like a 50% chance, which is actually not that great. It's a, it's a coin toss, whether you actually get to play a game of magic, you probably should just mull that, right. which, which I, I then did. Um, and, and your you six know, was way better. It was. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely playable. Um, so now here's see here's my argument. And, and I get that line of thinking, right? I get that line of thinking in terms of like being able to do something and interact. But when I look at a hand like that, my, my shortcut in my mind is I have a one land hand and I have a seven drop, right? So I have a seven drop and one land. Um, I'm going to win the game. Well, you know, um, the way I look at that hand every time and my, my mental shortcut for that kind of hand is it's an automatic mulligan because I have a seven drop, which I might as well just not have in my hand. Which in in that case, I'm better off with a random six because if the seven drop is so expensive that it's ir- or if, if there's one card in my hand uh, that's so expensive that compared to the amount of lands in my hand, I'm almost guaranteed to never get a chance to cast it. I will pitch that hand every time and take a random six, especially on the draw because you get that seventh card and you get to look at it. You're just down one card. It and it isn't a seven drop. Now, you know, you could draw a hand and you get five lands, a seven drop, and a six drop. You know what I mean? After I think that's draw. way worse than the hand no, I had. <laughs> and it is. But but I'm willing to take that chance. 
um, because the seven drop will never get played. Like in that hand, in that particular hand, you'll oh, never play that seven drop. And so uh, it might just be turn 10 or 11, you know, but like, but your first four turns are so like marginally bad, like in terms of like, like your best card at four was breaching hippocamp. That's true. I mean, uh, breaching hippocamp is a terrible card. It's not great. It's, it's, not it's the best card. It's, it's good. Also says only untap a creature you control. So uh, I didn't have anything to untap. That is true. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those cards. That's just not that good on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even that great with my creatures. So it just becomes one of those situations where if the, the things I could be doing aren't as good as like the things I could possibly be doing out of a random six, then I'll just take that random six. I mean, like horizon. I actually, Scholar, I actually huh? have the, the six, the six card hand. Oh, that good. Good. That. Um, so uh, three islands, <laughs> a uh, Nyx born Triton, a, an archetype of imagination and an omen speaker. Much better. You yeah. know, I mean like that's just a much better hand. And, uh, and that game wasn't even close. No. You know, I mean, we we just completely smashed because we both had playable hands. And um, they actually kept a one-lander, <laughs> ironically right. enough. That's right. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. That was – was that the same game? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. So if ever there was a, a, a teachable moment there about one-land hands, I think that might have been it. Yep. <laughs> But uh, but two headed giant was a lot of fun with this set, um, and and that was the first time I think that I'd ever played a game where like one person was playing like a strictly aggressive deck and the other person was playing almost a strictly supportive deck, um, and I thought it worked out really well. Like I thought once we learned our roles in the games, like I think we could have easily won our third round, and if we could have re had a redo. Because we had them at one life when we lost. Yeah. You know, if we had a redo of round one, we could have easily gone 4-0 with the two decks we had. Yeah, it's a different way to play Magic. Normally, you're worried about, okay, am I the control? Am I the beatdown? This one was just like, okay, so he, my my partner's the beatdown, and I'm trying to, like, sometimes control their deck, and then other times, like, yeah, it was just it was, it was interesting. I liked it. Cool. So, yeah, so Twitter Giant was awesome. Good experience all around. Um, and we're looking forward to it in a couple months with uh, Journey into the Knicks. So, um, or as I like to call it, Voyage to the Bottom of My Seat. Um, <laughs> what? That sounds okay. like you had an accident. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so... Wrapping this up because I, despite my uh, jovial uh, appearance, I'm actually pretty sick right now. Uh, I just want to get off here, give myself less to edit, and uh, and get on with uh, trying to feel better. So, um, if you want to reach us, uh, you can get in touch with us um, at OMTG Taps on Twitter. My Twitter is at OMGWTFBHJFTW. Stevens. Can't believe that's still available. I know, right? I got in on that one early. Yeah, I did. I got in while the getting was good. Uh, Big Head Joe is taken, however. Huh. Uh, it's something I'm very bitter about because the person who has it hasn't tweeted in like six years or something, and it's really annoying because I should just I should be Big Head Joe. I should be Twitter eminent domain. 
I'm so I'm so frustrated with that. I, I don't even want to get. I don't even think about it. Um, Stephen. Oh yes, I'm a. Uh... At Moon Pie, but uh, spelled really weird because that's all that was available. So M00NPI. Email us, YoMTGTaps at gmail.com. That's all we've got for this week. We are YoMTGTaps. Stop bitching, start room.